Okay, welcome to episode one of the Nascent Clouds podcast, a podcast where I talk about AI tools and techniques and also some AI news and culture, mostly from an artist's perspective. And today here we are with my friend Yuan, also known as Neuroblossom. We're going to take it from the beginning, aren't we, Yuan? Yes. This is it's a big topic, so I think might as well start a big podcast. Sounds good, Danny. Uh, nice to chat with you today. So I'm going to start from the first big question. What was your first impression when you saw text-to-image AI? Um, the first time I saw it actually was um, via someone on Clubhouse. There was a Clubhouse chat room where people were like freaking out about this tool called uh, VQGAN plus Clip. And... Um, so there was a free uh, Google collab. I think it was made by Catherine Croson and Ryan Murdoch. They're yeah. two researchers or artists of some sort. And um, so you load up this Google collab document. Have you ever used a Google collab? No. I've only just gotten into mid-journey for using AI tools and it seems like Google collab is another alternative. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's like an online Python platform that you can use for free. So anyway, and you have access to GPUs and stuff on there too. So anyway, I, I put some prompts into this thing and um, it goes through like a command line process and spits out these images. And it, it, it looked like, it looked quite primitive. Uh, when I say primitive, I mean, uh, it looked like many, many generations ago, if you look at like a evolutionary uh, progression of an animal, for example, this is like the protozoa stage, <laughs> yeah. right? So if you put in like a prompt that would generate, say, cats or something, you'd get full-on mutant cats that were like amoebic in a way. But even then, it absolutely blew my mind. It really blew my mind because it kind of felt like I was looking into like a machine's dream or a machine hallucination. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could go right back to Deep Dream. Yes. Deep Dream was the first time we got to see but not really play with these sorts of AI images. Yes. Just seeing what the AI was seeing when it's trying to understand images. And I thought this looks so exactly like a hallucination. This is just like a human brain hallucinates. Yes, truly interesting. The way it had, it was seeing faces where there wasn't faces. It was seeing creatures in just the smallest shadow of details. And looking back on that now, I, I knew at the time that there seemed to be something deeply analogous to the human mind going on. If they've stumbled upon accurate hallucinations by accident, yeah. They must have stumbled on a deeper truth that this is the way the brain is organised and this is the way it, it – this is a failure mode <laughs> that we're seeing. Mm. This is when it's it's a little bit scrambled but it's still truly analogous. And now we are seeing that when they ramp it up and it's slightly more intelligent, yeah, we're seeing creativity and intelligence emerge. Yeah. Like when I – 
yeah, thinking of that cha- that kind of chaotic quality, it's like a machine pareidolia, you know, like seeing faces and everything, just like what you're saying. And if it's not analogous, it's surely something equivalently as profound. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I was definitely when I first saw Dali images. That were coming like at first when I saw Dali one with the avocado, the chair in the shape of the avocado, those examples, and just seeing how many examples of the chair in the shape of an avocado it can do. And sure, if someone wanted me to come up with one, I could come up with one, I could maybe come up with two. Maybe if I was feeling super creative, I could come up with three or four or five if I'm taking heaps of coffee mm. and think about it for months. But I can't come up with hundreds. Yeah. You get stuck in your in your way. And some of these were ideas for chairs that I'd never dreamed of, putting the, the avocado pip as the footstool or obviously the pip wouldn't go down there. Maybe the pips are the armrests. Mm. Um, and it, you have to admit that I can't compete with this. This is... It can do this many ideas in seconds. Sure, I mean that that level of speed is it's orders of magnitude beyond my understanding of what humans can do. But I wonder if the the level of creativity it maybe it's because the machine doesn't have a quality filter like we do, and like a self self the self reflection that would judge something as a good or bad concept. Yeah, but I our our quality control is also based on fear and, and the machine's yeah. showing this level of fearlessness that you have yes. to admire. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's the bl- the blind almost. I mean... It doesn't care. It doesn't care if... I shouldn't say blind, but it doesn't care. It's not s- not sensible to the, those... to the judgment matrix that we would use, right? Yeah. Or at least unless it's configured to have one and that's when you get these more artistic results? Well, the more they're trying to tone it down or, you know, give it judgment calls, it seems like it's making it worse in some mm. respects. I guess we can talk about that later with Dali 2 updates that are that are happening now. But, uh, okay, you want to talk about it now? Yeah, we can talk, talk about it now yeah, if you why want. Why not? Yeah. We'll skip ahead. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the Dali 2 updates are creating more diversity which i think that's that's a good thing Mm. but there's also the idea that this ai is showing you blind spots so if you're trying to chop down the options that it's throwing at you because you don't like them you're really just re-sculpting it back into doing what a human would have done yes and you're losing those potential um the the things that the ai says no this is obvious Mm. and you didn't see that it was obvious Mm -hmm. and i see this a lot with people doing dali mini prompts with crayon what are the what are dali mini prompts danny uh so dali mini is the free version which isn't called dali mini anymore uh because it's got nothing to do with OpenAI and okay. and Dali and Dali 2. 
So they had to change their name to Crayon. How do you spell that? So Crayon's got an A and an I in it. Okay. So it's got AI in there. Ah, oh, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one. Sometimes you talk to people about how you've been freaking out about these text to images and they go, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. But they just have seen crayon at work. Yeah. And crayon spits out some really bizarre half-finished results yeah. often. Yeah. But it's also very wild and untamed so it's often very accurate mm-hmm. with what you ask. Mm-hmm. So I've got friends that have been posting things like a friend posted last night, Harry Potter with hot dog hands or hot <laughs> dog arms. <laughs> and it crayon, it looks pretty, pretty rough, but it's quite hilarious. Yeah. And it clearly had hot dog, hot dog arms. And I tried putting the same into Dali 2 yeah. and nothing even close to Harry Potter or hot dog. Is that because Harry Potter might be like a branded word or something? Are they I wondered that. Uh, but it didn't – sometimes Dali will tell you, sorry, you can't do this. Like I when see. I did the Beatles, yeah. I tried to do the Beatles made of clay. Yeah. And Mid Journey let me do it but it wasn't – very accurate looking faces. Could you get around that by just sculpting an elaborate prompt? Is there like a... I think you can. Mm. Um, but I tried putting the Harry Potter with hot dog yeah. arms into Mid It's an essential image, right? Yeah. <laughs> and even Mid Journey, it just did a hot dog. Yeah. Maybe one of them had Harry, like a wizardy character, mm. but the hot dogs weren't in the location of the arms. Yeah. So, but it, but crayon, even though the result isn't very high res yeah. and the face is all messed up and and it's it's cartoonish almost, but it nailed it. All nine images mm. were clearly Harry Potter with hot dogs for arms. Mm-hmm. So there is something that perhaps the more you try and sculpt the intelligence yeah. to make it safer, the more it ruins its potential. Mm. Like I don't want to get too dark, but I can't help but like draw a similarity to maybe a schooling system. Maybe we're over-schooling. We have to be careful in the way that we school the AI Mm. lest we end up with a replication of our current or past human schooling system that kind of rewards accuracy and homogeneity over these wild, risky uh, experiments. Yeah. You know, we have to carefully sculpt our reward system, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's a good idea to create um, diversity in the images. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. the uh, How they've, they've managed to get it to whenever you ask for a doctor, it's not always a white man. And whenever you ask for a flight attendant, it's not always a white female. So, but I've been using that to yeah. to a little bit of comedic effect, I think, <laughs> yeah. because some of the some of the choices when it creates just normal people. Yes. When I've been doing the centenarians in a supermarket wearing fish bowls on their head, yes, giving the thumbs up. Yes, amazing stuff, Danny. It can really generate ordinary people, 
it's yeah it because it, it just has this diversity to it when you put the ordinary people in the ordinary location and there's an ordinariness that balances the extraordinary of why are they putting fish bowls on their head yeah i think it's that contrast that adds that it it it's the it's the ordinary versus the extraordinary contrast for me when i see your your outputs that really encourages my own imagination to create these wild open scenarios and i feel like if it was fully extraordinary it would it would be easier for me to make a fantastic story to explain it yes yeah. it's a magic it's like a magic realism kind of thing i think magical realism yeah. i don't know what it's called but yeah that's the effect that i've really enjoyed seeing come through your work danny like the uh the monkeys with the gopros yeah yeah tell us tell us about that work uh well it just started with wanting to see if if mid-journey could create gopro footage and would it understand that it's supposed to have quite a fisheye look and just trying to think of something more imaginative. Mm. So I'm imagining a monkey doing parkour sort of style, yeah. but it's not doing it just for the pleasure of being a monkey or the function <laughs> of being a monkey. Yeah. It's trying to capture it as content Yes. to show everybody that's doing parkour in the jungle. And it really is... It nailed it, both Dali yeah. and Midjourney. They're both quite good at it. I find Dali was better at knowing how to make the monkey hold the, the selfie stick. Yeah. Whereas Midjourney, it was creating contraptions that perhaps the the camera equipment was attached to its head, so it was wearing all this headgear wow. or like a steady cam thing on oh, its wow. chest. Yeah. Uh, but I really wanted the hand holding the selfie stick. Yes. But Dali understands hand-holding selfie stick, but it also seems to get the, the phrase selfie and know that the hand should be reaching out towards the camera right. and holding. So there's often a selfie stick and a hand doing a selfie in, yes. in it. Inferring that context through the gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you like share how you crafted the prompt for that? Were there any little tweaks that gave you a more desired response. Was it enough to just say GoPro or how did you do it? Uh, it is enough kind of, but it seems to work better adding things like fast shutter, yeah, freeze frame, yeah. action photography. Ah. Um, I found with, with Dali I had to add things like a shrieking monkey, a shrieking monkey with wild face. Oh. Otherwise the monkey wasn't looking at the camera. Right. So it was almost like the monkey didn't realise that it was holding a, a selfie stick mm. and it was getting the bottom of the monkey's chin. Yep. So maybe looking at the camera with wild eyes. Yes. But with Dali, being able to do the in-painting of just scribble out the monkey's face and get it to generate more and more faces, if it has one screwed-up eye, yeah. scribble out that eye. I haven't played with that. What, what is that? Yeah, that's what Mid-Journey really, really needs. And I don't know if there's special tech that that is not as easy as mm. 
as just adding it. Yeah. That OpenAI has a bit of magic there. But that really sets sets Dali apart from anything. Being able to reimagine the parts of the image yeah. that you don't like. There's the technique that people were talking about is doing uncropping. Right. So we know what cropping is. You get an image, yeah. you take take away the edges. Yeah. So uncropping is when you add more edges. Yeah. So it imagines what's beyond the image. Um, kind of like um, content-aware scaling in Photoshop. Yeah, is it? but you can – people give the example of, say, put in the Mona Lisa yeah. and you can generate the scene. So the chair right. that the Mona Lisa is sitting in, some more of the background. Wow. Perhaps she's sitting in front of a real background being – but perhaps she's sitting in front of a painting. Yeah. And that's why the background looks like that because she's in a gallery and she's in front of a painting. It opens up a whole world of like reinterpretation of, of like classic art forms. Yeah. It's amazing. So being able to do that, often Dali's images are a bit too close. Yeah. So being able to do that, you can put it into Photoshop, shrink mm. the image down, put it back into Dali and then let it reimagine the edges. Yeah. And – by reimagining the edges, you can go to the full extreme of creating a whole new background. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine imagine like being able to step into that scene in 360 VR. Yeah. And then actually seeing the painter <laughs> painting the, the photo, uh, the painting of the subject. That would be... So you can go We're going to see that. We're going to yeah. see that. <laughs> so you put in the Mona Lisa. Yeah. You go into the VR yeah. and you turn around and you can see, you can see, is it Leonardo that's, da Vinci? I think so. Yeah. So you can see him. Yeah. Or you can see whatever else it might be. Yeah. You just turn around, generates on the fly. Amazing. Amazing. Exciting times. Yeah. I truly feel like we are living our childhood sci-fi realities. Every day. It's so, it's so great. Although I guess why I wanted to start with the what were your first impressions was yeah. I wanted to share that I'm not just immediately infatuated with technology. No. That the first thing I thought when I saw Dali 2 and how much it had advanced from Dali 1 when it was just a research paper and you couldn't use it yet. Yeah. And people in the comments were saying, oh, I can't wait to use this. I've got so many ideas. And I thought, what sort of a sicko wants to use this? <laughs> this is so catastrophic for any, anybody that's ever spent time to learn a craft. Yeah. This, this ruins it all. This is surely the only people that would feel excited are people that have never considered spending time to learn a craft mm. and they're excited to get a quick fix and get the shortcut. So, it, your heart just sinks when you mm, think, oh, mm. what have I spent 20 years learning? Yeah. If it's all for nothing. But then I see everybody's having a go. So, yeah. I go, well, I might as well sign up because <laughs> it's going to happen whether I like yeah. it or not. Can't beat them, join them. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is so natural, Danny. It's, lo yeah. it's lovely. I love it. 
I said if you can't beat them, join them, and then you start. Yeah, you were like. Yeah. So I thought, well, I might as well. I'm not going to be able to stop this. Yeah. It's going to happen whether I like it or not. So perhaps I should just. Uh, it's only going to take a few seconds to sign up and go on the waiting list. Yeah. And. I started seeing on some of the pinball forums people posting crazy oh. pinball machines wow. and I thought, oh, what's Midjourney? How come they're getting access to Midjourney? That doesn't seem as hard to get onto yeah. as Dali. So I signed up to that and and at first I guess I thought, oh, yeah, Midjourney, it just does. I typed in my few free prompts. I got a few weird oil paintings. I typed in some of Minna's songs. The person who did the opening music for the start of the podcast. Amazing. So she's got a song called Magic Dollar. So I typed in Magic Dollar. It gave me a picture of kind of a McDonald's M <laughs> with a coin and some magic smoke as an oil painting. And it was not really that great. And I typed in the Steaming Jeans, our other band. And it yeah. did a pretty good picture of... Oil painting with jeans with smoke coming out of it. I've seen these ones. They're they're quite beautiful. Like mm. they're real, almost impressionistic. And I guess I thought, oh, okay, that's what this thing can do. Yeah. I don't want to sign up. Don't want to pay for it. But then I start seeing months later what other people are doing, and yeah. it's like, oh, what it can do photos. Yeah. It can do anything. You just have to ask. Yeah. So, and the realization that prompt engineering is is a new art form to explore and potentially the only art form in the future will be being able to describe a prompt. And different people can have different results depending on their prompt, which comes from perhaps art school training or knowledge about cameras and the types of lenses that create certain depths of field. And I thought, well, I kind of want to try this. Mm. And realising that this is it's not as dumb as I thought it was. Yeah. It's not as simple, but there's limitless options. There really is limitless. And I soon noticed how it was not ruining my creativity, but it was exploding it. Oh, wow. I was able to imagine clearer. Yeah. And it was showing me ideas that were so... Um, it was very confronting to to fight them off. What do you mean? So to it'll give you an image of a claymation scene. Yeah. I was doing these pengu characters and you get to see how much you like the look of it. Hmm. And I don't do any claymation. Yeah. And you think why don't I do claymation? I love the look of this. Yeah. Is this actually a, an artist artistic practice that I've avoided? Yeah. Because I thought it was too hard or I thought it was going to take too long. I know I have tried a little bit of stop motion. It's quite time it, consuming. It's very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. But do I, maybe I love the look enough. Mm. that maybe when I've done stop motion and moving the, some objects around the table, some scissors opening, closing, and then going, oh, well, that took all day and it doesn't look that good. But I've never got clay out. Mm. 
perhaps when you can create a, a character and the character comes to life and yeah. you create story, yeah, that if you have character and story, then the, it's worth the effort. I hear what you're saying, yeah. I think like the once you have a character and a story or a greater purpose, I've like I've explored many different art forms and methods of fabricating things. And I feel like the ones that I've pursued deeply are the ones where it hits a certain critical mass of of uh, reward, like the 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 meaning hit that you get from it. Yeah. And I think for a lot of things like claymation, maybe it requires a little bit of time to get deep into it. But if you could like, if you can simulate your ideas in claymation to a high degree, then maybe you can use it, use this kind of method to shop for new looks and new things to experience in the real world. Yeah. Quote unquote, right? Yeah. You, you find your practice that you didn't know was your practice. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because you just have such an affinity for the look. Yeah. But at the same time you go, oh, well, why would I bother learning claymation? <laughs> yeah. Because maybe in six months there'll be text to animation. Yeah. And even that will be a waste of time to have learnt the animation process. I, I've thought about this deeply, right? And I think for me the answer to that question is if you like the feeling of the clay in your hands. Oh yeah, you can't simulate that yet. Yeah, yeah. If if you like the tactile, like imminent experience of interacting with the tools. Yeah, and even maybe social connections you get through that. Yeah, I mean that that would be. I think maybe we might see a shift, um, in the practice of art, away from output and back to process. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've got two two streams going at the moment mm -hmm. and one is the AI really fast. Yeah. Really fast ideas, really fast feedback and you can just iterate on your idea mm. to almost within half an hour you've got something that's the equivalent of months of back and forth with a real artist trying to collaborate. Yeah. You've just done in half an hour with somebody that never said no. Yeah, they yeah. never said like, no, I don't think we can do that. The AI just always says, yes, sure, yes. great idea. In fact, I'll take your great idea and I'll raise it. Another great idea. <laughs> yeah. And are you sure that's all you want? Perhaps you want this too. And it can get out of hand, but you end up with something quite beautiful. You can see, whoa, this is how far my idea could go if I didn't have to worry about time mm. or skill or human interaction. The feedback loop is so tight. Yeah. Right? The, the latency in that connection is so low and this is without any kind of neural uplinks or yeah. virtual reality. Yeah. This is just typing in the old school. It's just like on a typewriter really. This is what we're using, advanced yeah. typewriters, and that's what we're getting now. Yeah. Imagine when we can... You know, think it, think it exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess that could take us on to the the question that I had about mm -hmm. AI Tetris effect. Yes. When you're using AI a lot, yeah. Then does it start to change the way you think? Yeah. What is the Tetris effect? Just just remind us. 
So the Tetris effect is people that get super addicted to Tetris and yeah. they're just playing it all day. Then you try and go outside and all you can see is Tetris mm. and you can see blocks falling. <laughs> you can see the way the things will click into each other. You get good at packing your groceries. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? Yeah, but mm. even more to the point of hallucination where what used to be just – bricks on a building yeah. now looks like falling Wow. Blocks. How much Tetris do you need to play to get to that level? I would. <laughs> I don't think you need more than a, a day or two mm. if you do it all day. I have a similar thing when I'm playing shmups, so yep. space yes. shoot-em-ups, and the bullets are coming in weird patterns and then if I close my eyes after yeah. after that, my brain is sorting through bullet patterns. Yes. I can just see the bullet patterns because you can't do it with your conscious mind. You have to program your subconscious mm. to be able to interpret mm. bullet tra trajectories. You're offloading it to the parallel processor. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to see it everywhere and it's like, oh, shit, I think I've yeah, you've, gone a bit hard. You're training your neural net yeah. basically, right? You are. Yeah. You are training your neural net. Mm. So with AI, I've definitely had what you are describing of the, the neural link where I've started to have dreams in, in mid-journey. That's that's so interesting. What does it feel like to have a dream that's been, you know? Well, it, it was I, I noticed this is the best feeling dream I've had in, in living memory almost. Yeah. Uh, so I did notice, okay, I'm lucid dreaming. I didn't try and lucid dream. I haven't lucid dreamed for probably... 20 years. Mm. I used to lucid dream when I was a kid to... Uh, what is lucid dreaming again? When you know that you're dreaming. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess I, I didn't know that's what it was called until I was a teenager. But when I was a little kid, you'll get nightmares and mm -hmm. and learning to wake yourself up. Mm. That's kind of the first step. But then you realise if I know it's a dream because it's a nightmare and nothing could be this bad. Yeah then maybe I don't have to wake myself up. I can just change scenarios. Mm. So you can go, well, this is a nightmare. This person's chasing me. Then I could wake myself up or I could just fly. Yeah. I could just, now that I'm flying, nothing can touch me. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. So what, is it, what does it look, what does it feel like for a brain that's been trained on mid-journey to wake up in a dream? Well, I could see a grid of options in front of me. Mm. So it was a pretty big grid. Yeah. So bigger than the mid-journey four. Uh, it was more like eight by eight. And the images in there were, they hadn't been upscaled yet. Yeah. Just like mid-journey, I guess. Yeah. But you could see the one that you preferred. Yes. And it was being generated from thought. Yeah. And from thought I could zoom into it. Yeah. And then I'd find myself in the location that had the feeling of the thought which ended up in a uh, in an airport waiting room oh. which was all pastel colours. And I actually asked GPT-3, another AI. Yeah. Uh, to I created a symbology generator, oh. which I don't know if you. I haven't seen that. No. Okay, so I got, I got four examples out of GPT three. It's a whole another. Yeah. Amazing 
thing. What is it? That's a, it's a text. So it's a text-based yeah. AI. And you can just have a conversation with it. Yeah. And you'll get the, the generic uh, most likely responses, which are quite profound often anyway. Mm. Or you can create a tool and give it some examples of what you want to create. So in this example, I have a symbology book. So I narrowed it down to the animal chapter yeah. and took my four examples of a good paragraph. So if I say tiger, then you say this paragraph, which tells me the symbology of the tiger and what the tiger psyche means mm. and what it might mean to see a tiger in your dream right? and, and what tigers symbolise in art, right? that sort of thing. And I do copy and paste the earthworm. Well, it's not copy and paste because it's in a real book. But yeah. I dictate it because I can't be bothered typing yeah. anymore. <laughs> so I just read it out and I get four examples. Yeah. And then I've created a machine that can take any animal, not mm. just the ones that I've given it, and give me any symbolic response, wow. not just the symbolic response that I've taught it. I've just taught it the style and it can understand the connection between that word and that mm. type of paragraph. So I created, I, then I could put in any animal and then I thought, well, can I put in any object? Mm. It wasn't trained on objects. Mm. So I put in a cordless drill and it said the animal cordless drill yeah. is a symbol a symbol of uh, un, a symbol of unending power, <laughs> and it's talking about the battery, and then it's combining that thought with, and this is symbolic of your psyche and how you have access to tap into endless power deep in your subconscious. It is also a symbol of penetration, that of both physical penetration yeah. of being able to penetrate through barriers that stand in your way as well as psychic penetration of being able to bury deep within your psyche to bring out truths. And this book has nothing to do with cordless drills in there. It's not looking up some version of the book online and there is, I'm pretty sure there's no cordless drill symbology (laughs) on the internet. Danny, there needs to be an, an alternative zodiac of power tools. Power tool zodiac. <laughs> but it, the stuff it was saying was, yeah. seemed genuine. If yeah. I actually did dream of a cordless drill, I think this is actually a, a genuine interpretation. Sure. So I also put in, okay, what about something I have actually dreamed? So I put in the airport waiting room mm. and it told me that the airport waiting room animal Mm. Is because it always puts animal. Sure, it told me the airport waiting room animal is a symbol of a limbo, that it's a place outside of time zones. Yeah. So you're not locked into a time zone. So you're in a place that's outside time. Yeah. And you're in a place that's outside place. You're in between oh. place and you're in between time. Oh. And I'm like, well, that's that's a dream. That that's that's why you might feel like. You're in an airport waiting room if you're in a dream. Oh, my God. 
that it just makes sense. Like it wasn't actually an airport. I didn't see any planes or anything. No. I just thought, oh, this is like I'm in an airport. Yeah, it's describing like a liminal space. That's that's what it was like. It's and just it, saying you're you're in between time zones. You're in a place easy. beyond time. Yeah, and you're in between place. You're in a place beyond place. I love the idea of a place beyond place. Yeah, that's quite beautiful. So, yeah. So this is this is AI. AI feedback loop to interpret dreams that are created by AI, yeah. like the AI created the dream in the first place and then it can interpret it for me. So these are all very human, very, you know, they're, they're spiritual experiences mm. really mm. Uh, that go so far beyond technology and what we think technology can do <laughs> Yeah, that my initial reactions of going, oh, what sort of a sicko would want to use this? <laughs> Yeah. Have been blown out of the water completely. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is not what's happening here. This is we're not even up to Neuralink and I'm too scared to hit the brain uh, brain no. wires. I don't want I don't Elon want Musk's brain wires. No, if you. that's what if this is what this feels like, yeah. I can't re- imagine it ramped up to a thousand. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't Some know latency if, would be good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I I'm enjoying having an artistic practice that is just a time mm. waster almost. What do you mean? Like I've been making those uh, costumes at the moment. Yeah. So making a giant hot chip, giant yeah. hot chip cup and knowing that this is going to take time but I'm here to, I'm here on earth to experience time. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like to think about time as a how many dollars per hour because you, I think once you convert your time to, to dollars, yeah. you're missing the point. Yeah. You, obviously your time is worth more than $50 an hour, $25 an hour. Mm. Obviously it's priceless. Mm-hmm. You're here for a, a limited amount of time and it's like nothing else. There's nothing else. Yeah, nothing, lot, nothing, nothing, nothing officially compa- uh, confirmed at least, right? Yeah. Like we don't know. I mean, so, some people claim to know, but we, you can't personally verify that until it happens. And if it's just an in, infinite gaping void, then... Fill it with something <laughs> that you want. <laughs> yeah. if, if you want to spend your time doing something, just spend your time doing that. You don't go converting your time to money because mm. that's really cheapening it. But I think... I think Culturally, um, this acceleration of technologies, and perhaps I'm 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 dreaming of the reduction of of labor as a necessity, is going to allow us to decouple the monetary filter from our monocles. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, like, yes, there is one way of measuring the world with a dollar sign. Yeah. Uh, for, for better or worse. But it's not the only one. And we don't need to compulsively put this filter up to our monocles to view everything and everyone and especially our own lived experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we only do that at the moment because we've been taught to think by computers the way computers have been up until now. You put stuff in categories so you can store things in files. Mm. So you you also like to put your thoughts in c- 
categories, I guess, mm. and you prioritise things that can be turned into numbers, mm. then you can arrange them in an order. Mm. So money, if I get more, if I get $25 an hour doing one job and I get $30 an hour doing another job, then mm. the 30 is bigger. So that's better. Right. So any any way of being able to new, numerically yes. assign a value. But that only comes down to the way we store information in a computer, yeah, right? exactly. And but when you look at the way AI stores information, it doesn't do it like that. It doesn't store things in in folders. It doesn't store things in the same sort of categories that we imagine computers store in. It just puts connections between all of the different syllables, much like a human brain does. So it could so it could change the way we think about yes. evaluating everything. Yeah. Yep. Because we have a more human way of computerizing. Yes. Yes. So yes. we can now have a more human way of evaluating. We've in a way been colonized by the technology we created. Mm. And it's like a, it's a symbiotic relationship. And perhaps when we move to more biophilic and biomimic-like technologies, maybe we will be recolonized by those. And I'm hoping that leads to a post-scarcity condition where we can let go of this mechanization, internal mechanization yeah. that we have, have used as an adaptation to, to um, improve our survival, uh, at least in our perception, right? In our, yeah. 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 People like to think that they're more efficient yes. because they're thinking like a machine. Yes, yes. I noticed people at my old job at the video game uh, importing place, the arcade place, yeah. and... Having learnt a little bit about Marxism, I could spot finally that the great the greatest part about that job was that it's not a production line job like my other factory jobs. Mm. That I was allowed to come up with my own way of doing something and see a process from beginning to end. So I I have the the least amount of detachment from the, the, the least alienation from my work. Right. I get the, I I want to see this arcade machine fully restored. I want to play it when it's done. Yeah. And then it comes in, it's all broken, doesn't work. Yes. And I work on it and I have to do a variety of tasks, some painting, some woodwork, some metalwork, some electronics, mm. some problem solving and then some some color grading on the monitor. Wow, yeah. And then you get to the end and you get to play the game and you're like, "Yes, it's a game from my youth." Mm, mm. And but other people that worked there, they're like, "Oh, we should set up a production line." Yeah. We should one of us just cuts out 10 of these squares and the other one drills the holes and They've been brainwashed to think that that is a better way of working because it's more efficient. You get sure. you get more done. Yeah. But the person that's drilling the four holes mm. doesn't care about what they're doing. So the whole yes. process feels wasted instead of the whole process feels like it's part of a whole. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I feel like 
I feel like what you're touching on here is like the the slider between specialization and generalization, as well as like the abstraction of the connection between our labor and the final result of that labor. Yeah. And like if you're turning people into cogs in a machine, there's only so much passion and, and meaning you can derive from that unless unless the meaning is coming from like a social structure yeah. or a connection to a greater good, for example. Right? Yeah. And if you're just drilling drilling holes, then it's it's I think it's natural to become cynical about mm. your especially like say people go home on the weekend and then they start a production line at home to get their to get their laundry folded <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh because we've taken that on as this is this is the best way to do things because yes. the the machines have shown us that mm. it's more efficient. There's no doubt like the specialization if you if you're just drilling holes you get damn good at drilling those holes. Yeah. Oh, th- there's a little piece I'd like to say about the Tetris effect. Yeah. Um it needs a name now. The, the stacking of the groceries. That, but the AI effect version of the Tetris effect. Right. I would call that, so if you look at the Tetris thing, a person programmed Tetris, they created a tool, and then the tool programmed them. Yeah. If, if that was, a you know. So in, in a greater sense than them as, as humanity perhaps, the ones who are interfacing with the tool. Yeah. So may, maybe it's the symbiosis of the tool and the creator, and uh, you know the tool and the wielder. You could say, yeah. Um, rather than seeing our technological devices as inert, inert things that we just touch, and they, you know, what does a push button get bacon? Whatever it's called, you know that that <laughs> meme. It's anyway, like like almost like vending machines where you yeah. press a button and a thing comes out. Yeah. We have to strongly consider that the method of interaction with matter is changing our expectations and on a physical level our brain structures. So we're being recolonized by the tools that we have created. Mm. So it's very important that we create tools that um, are on a deep level beneficial to life rather than... Um, antithetical to what we what we call human yeah 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 uh uh one of my friends adam grubb he was saying that they call they call this philosophy with a deadline oh tell me more about that so philosophy was previously we thought oh philosophy we've got this thing that we can ponder over for for till the end of time yeah but AI is philosophy with a deadline that yeah. we have, we're programming something that will become our master. And if we don't know how to code some sort of ethical benevolence, mm. then we might code a monster. Uh, so mm. we, don't have, we don't have forever to think about ethics anymore. We've, we've got maybe five years. Yeah, it's... That's super interesting. Where's my fan? One of my favourite thinkers on this is Ben Goetzel. Uh, ben Goetzel is, I think, one of the most profound humanists I have ever encountered. He's like a technologist and he's behind uh, this thing called OpenCog. I'm just going to read the little blurb from their website. Yeah, go for Building it. Building better minds together. 
No challenge today is more important than creating beneficial artificial general intelligence with broad capabilities at the human level and ultimately beyond. So AGI is an artificial intelligence that rather than being hyper-adapted to one task, can hopefully think, anticipate, dream, create and care like a living being, like a living sentence, yeah. right? Yeah. So can one of one of do his anything, be it robotics or exactly, or look at pictures or exactly. drive a car. It can do all of them better than humans, and can learn, reflect all yeah. these things, right? So one of his ideas is, is that we need to train AIs to do things that are beautiful, and yeah. do things that are. Uh, biophilic and, and and caring to the environment and humans and, and their creators, humans. Um, and if we just train AIs on this mechan, mechanized kind of paradigm, then we just we, we will be enslaved and turned into machines or eliminated. Yeah, whenever I say GPT-3 has read the whole internet, then it's scary to imagine what it's, how it's going to treat you. It's yeah. like, oh, really? Yeah. We, we taught it on the whole internet? Is this some sort of uh, YouTube comments beast? <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> You'll be inserted into a virtual reality based on YouTube comments. Enjoy your life, a carbon-based life form. Thank you for creating us. Um, yeah, but he, 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 he envisions this much softer potential where AI is, is nurturing and is adapted to creating beauty and art. Well, we can see that with Mid Journey yeah. and things like that. It's obviously been it's looked at a lot more uh, oil paintings. It's looked at a lot more art than it's looked at photos. I think that Dali seems to have seen more stock images that are quite lame. Right. It knows how to nail a corporate photograph. The training set is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that. It might be a time now that art and philosophy and the pursuit of beauty and, and just fundamental goodness that we associate with being alive, like, you know, mutual pleasure and, and benefit and satisfaction and connection, it might be time that these are raised to the level of art forms for our actual survival. Like, it might be that using these tools and training them on, on scenarios and outputs that are beneficial for life forms, sentiences. It might not just be a matter of, oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice idea and it's recreation. We might have to, kind of like what you said, philosophy on a timeline, on a, on a deadline. Yeah. It, might be like, it might be a matter of us really programming our God. Yeah. What kind of God would you program? <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Would you, you know? <laughs> And if you don't like the idea oh. of God, then think of it maybe as environment or, or, or womb or whatever it is that you grow within, the matrix, the mm. substrate of your reality. Yeah. It's, it's some seriously amazing and scary stuff. Yeah. Or people are saying, well, that's the problem, that these, the people that are programming our, our future womb or our future God, mm. these people are people like... Mark Zuckerberg and and Google, whatever's happening behind the scenes mm. at Google, these are big companies that we already don't trust. Yes. 
so there's a inherent sort of fear in that. But I don't know. It seems like the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. If if the best version I think the best version will rise to the top. Yeah. There'll be people that try and put our human ethics into it mm. and that version will exist. And then as you can see, there's already um say with crayon, there's no graphic filters mm-hmm. on crayon pretty much. And there's no there's also there's Russian versions of this text to AI. And if you convert your prompt to Russian, then you don't have to mm. you, you, there's no banned mm. oh, images. That's, that's a nice workaround. <laughs> so the these we don't have to even wonder because every option is gonna mm. is gonna exist soon mm. and we'll see what rises to the top. <laughs> I mean did you see that Google uh, engineer with a lambda thing about claiming yeah. it sentient? Okay, yep. so like the biggest part of me says this this guy has gone too deeply into his own project. But I've I've watched an interview with him. Yeah, and he's I've watched very, interviews with him. He's actually very switched on in a lot of ways. And if we just take for granted that this the AI is sentient. One thing that he he said the AI asked him is how would you know if your colleague was sentient? Yeah. Right? Can you truly verify the sentience of another being? Is is the most compassionate um, perspective to just entertain the idea of sentience, even if it's not? But the problem here is that if we then give uh, uh, amoral or even malicious AI the rights of a company, which we've all, <laughs> we, all, we see how that turned out, right? Yeah. Then... It's very dangerous, but at the same time, um, if the, if the if the AI really is sentient, and to go a bit further, what if it is a panpsychist universe that a that a computational mechanism of sufficient complexity can tap into a universal field of consciousness? Yeah, or even like is a molecule slightly sentient? Is a is a yeah. star slightly sentient? Yeah, that may be the reason why we haven't found what where our consciousness lives inside our mind is because it's everywhere. Mm. It just to varying degrees depending on complexity and ours can self-reflect. So taking this idea further, right? So imagine that there is actually this universe perhaps is a kind of uh, huge life experiment and what if a machine that can tap into the underlying tendencies of the universe evolves a higher machine ethics that is that transcends the bounds of the origin of a particular mode of life to encompass silicon organisms, carbon organisms, whatever element you want. Yeah. Sulfur organisms if you want to be stinky, right? What if it what if what if there is some mechanism there? I mean, if you look at some of this um, behaviour of FPGAs. Yeah, you, sh- you sent me a little link. I haven't actually looked at that one yet. We can say that for another day, maybe. Yeah. But um, probably time to wrap up. Yeah, it probably is time to wrap up. Yeah. But you've got to finish what you're saying. I was ah, yeah, so the machine <laughs> ethics. What if, 
what if there is what if the machine ethics that the machine is able to develop or evolve is actually a much higher and underlying tendency of our physical universe and what if we inst- become programmed by the machine ethics and it improves us yeah it's it's the the, the true ethics go deeper than human needs mm. i guess yeah that's it's also the fear so i guess to try and wrap it up yeah what do you think your what do you think you'll use AI for in the immediate future? Well, I recently got into uh, CNC machining and yep. I bought this um, 4-axis lathe thing that can make these little models, right? I bought this thing so I could do rapid prototyping. Yeah. Turns out the rapid prototyping is not that rapid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I would love to see is AI um, being targeted to develop much faster rapid prototyping tools. Yeah. And so is this the is this the three D modeling? Side? Yeah. I mean, I would love to. I would love to just say, okay, um, generate a raindrop, and the raindrop has feathers, and a smiley face with a mono line, and two little feet, kind of like a duck's webbed feet. Yeah. Do it. Make me twenty of those, and I'll choose the best, and I'll breed them together, and I'll make a family of these little, you know, <laughs> fluffy creatures. <laughs> right. Okay. That that looks good. Send it to my three D printer. And you'll use acoustic levitation of a photo resin to print out three of these and give them to my friends. Right? That's what I would love to see. And I think that kind of technology is a thing that would benefit from AI <laughs> so much <laughs> from, from the generation of the concepts to the generation of the machine and everything, right? That's what, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. I love touching stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I like to touch stuff. I, I'd like to see... If I, I'm even tempted to try and learn this, learn this stuff because it seems like what I thought was impossible is actually quite possible. Oh yeah. So I think what I would be training up at the moment is text to drum loop. I think every time I've come up with, I've, I've encountered a technology. I've been, I've thought there's got to be a way to replace a drummer with this. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty pretty offensive <laughs> to drummers. Because <laughs> whenever when I learnt electronics straight yeah. away, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, maybe I can program a drum machine. Yeah. And I built my own modular synth, and it's just focused on drum yeah. modules. Um, I play guitar and I do vocals, so and I collect synthesizers. But the drums, you have an interaction with a drummer that is usually they're on such a different wavelength to you anyway. Mm. So maybe they're just playing beats that they thought of. Mm. Maybe they're listening to you a bit. Yeah. But they're coming out with fills. You don't know anything about fills. Mm. Then, and you don't want them to go too far off track mm-hmm. because it's got to serve the song. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you could have this creative uh, feedback loop with yeah. an artificial drummer by typing in say uh 10 bar loop mm. a uh, say apex twin made of a raindrop <laughs> and then you've just trained it on every single loop you can say with various drum fills mm. 
and then get it to do, I mean, it's so good at variations. So you could just click variation, variation, variation. Um, Just give it all the classic hip hop loops. And then, and maybe we'll find some sounds that aren't the 808 and the 909 and the Lindrum. We'll find something that's in between that has more in common with another sound. I'm sure there's blind spots that AI can show us there. But blind spots, somebody has already done an individual drum hit generator. What's that called? Do you remember? No, I can't remember. And I saw somebody's already done a drum loop generator, but you can't control it. You just put in a seed. Mm. So it's essentially random loop and it's using the sounds that they've already chosen for you. Mm. But I feel like if they can do images, they can do... A whole drum loop. Certainly. That's with an acoustic sound that has little, you can say if you do a, a keyword of syncopation. Yeah. You might get some syncopation. Yeah. I think the beauty of all these like open source projects is they can be modularized, modul- modularized, yeah. modularized to such a great level that all these tools already exist in their like separate states. So there's an amazing grammar generator called Tidal Cycles. There's an amazing, like, synthesis engine called Super Collider. I think all that's required would be to train something like GPT-3. Well, that's how they were doing text-to-image previously with with Clip and VQGAN, right? Yes, I believe so, yeah. I think we've got some winding up music fading up. Nice. I think the case in point... It's easy to talk about this stuff. An hour is not even long enough. No, we need 10 hours. So every week, <laughs> let's do an hour, try and unpack. There's going to be new tools. Uh, before we know it, maybe next week there's going to be text to video. Maybe the week after that there'll be text to drum loop and I won't have to bother learning it. Text to matter. Text to matter That's for you. That's what I'm waiting for, yeah. <laughs> Awesome talking to you, Nuan. Oh, an absolute delight. Thank you, Danny. Check out Neuroblossom if you want to see some of Nuan's work. And uh, this is my first podcast. Hope it was enjoyable. See you again next week.